Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. We start this series with the uh, selfie and uh, to kick off here. I want us to do that. Really uh, look back and see what God's done and, and look at what God is calling us to do, who we're supposed to be. And Sean, I want to say I appreciate your worship. Uh, I listen to it every Sunday. Uh, for the last, since uh, 1st of August, I've been filling in at a church. I had uh, pastored for 30 years at a church. The last 11 years, I have been doing leadership coaching with pastors and ministry leaders and nonprofit leaders across the Kansas City area. And so, uh, you know, we do a lot. We build school partnerships, uh, bring together churches, businesses, uh, uh, civic organizations all around schools, especially Title I schools, around reading and mentoring. And so uh, that's what I've been putting all my time into. And they asked me if I would go and preach at this church, just fill in one Sunday. And I said, sure, uh, I can do that. And I, I get done that. That was August 1st, remember the date? And the uh, uh, guy who was in charge of their pastoral search team said, so you're going to be our interim pastor until we find somebody. I said, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> And he says, well, that's what we heard. And so uh, I kind of said, okay, well, I'll do it for a little while. And they're still doing search. I've heard they are getting close to having uh, a young man that they want to have, and I'm excited about that. I know who he is, and hopefully that works out because great, uh, great young leader. But it, it's just been funny. So where this church is is 72 miles from Kansas City, Topeka. So I, I drive uh, – it's about an hour and five minutes. Speed limit 75 there. It's pretty much all interstate. So, you know, you're just – you set it on your cruise, and I have my phone down there, and I, I leave about, well, 8.45 our time, which would be 9.45 years. And uh, so, you know, change, come on, Sean, uh, about uh, 9 o'clock our time, and I'll listen to worship. I'll listen to the first half of Elijah's message, and, uh, you know, uh, then, you know, kind of been preparing myself. I get there about uh, 9.50 uh, my, uh, my time, and the church starts at 10.15. But I, I, every Sunday morning, I mean, usually my wife and I would watch at home, but it's kind of nice. And then we turn around, and uh, whenever we come back, we get the last half of Elijah's message. So we kind of we do a break in between there for about an hour and a half, two hours that uh, we're with this church out there. But it, it's, Sean, I just I enjoy your heart and your passion for worship and uh, you know, your uh, voice for worship. I told my wife today, since nobody else was here to help you, I was going to get up and I was going to sing with. I know I was going to I was going to sing with Sean, and uh, she would have just panicked at home. I mean, because that's a. That's a joke in our church was, which it isn't a joke. I can't sing. I can't, you know, I can sing in that I love to sing, but I can't sing as far as to, it's, it's not even probably a joyful noise, you know, as the Bible calls it. It's just, it's just noise and, and everything. But, uh, you know, I thought uh, it would be great, you know, if we could have a camera there, just watch a shock look on her face and ever Sean would say, I've got a guest singer here with me today. And my wife would be, dear God, what are you doing? You know, something like that. But it's great to get to be here. Again, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and hopefully you got it. Hopefully you got it on your, on your phone. Man, that's a, I, I love, because I've always got Scripture with me. I get stuck somewhere that I'm 10, 15 minutes having to wait on somebody. I can just open up my Bible and just read a little bit. And uh, they have a lot of Bible reading plans. If you have a version is a great Bible app. Matter of fact, I think they just hit the other day with uh, 5 million downloads of people who have put it on things. It's uh, absolutely uh, great what they've done there. But I'm going to speak to you this morning as we look in and examine ourselves about kindness and how we're doing for living that out. 
and everything. But Ephesians 4, 29, 32, Apostle Paul writes there, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I remember hearing a story once about a lady uh, who just cashed her uh, uh, tax return check. And so she was uh, taking it home. And from the bank, and, you know, she's carrying more cash than she normally did. And so she's kind of apprehensive. She's at the bus stop, and she's looking around, watching everybody there. And she sees this real shabbily dressed man kind of over by the side. And she sees somebody walk up to him and hand him some money and then whisper in his ear. And she thought, wow, what a great act of kindness. She says, I want to do something. So she got in her purse, discreetly pulled out a $10 bill, and she walked over to the man and handed him the $10. And she said, never despair. Never despair. And then she gets on her bus and goes home. And the next day, she comes back to the bus stop again, and the same man's there. And this time, he walks up to her, and he hands her $110. She goes, what's this? He says, well, you won. Your horse at the track won. Never despair. <laughs> Paid 10 to 1 odds. And uh, I can't tell you that, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're going to... Uh, be uh, uh, reimbursed for your kindness at uh, definitely not a 10 to 1 odds. Actually, I, I guess I can. I can guarantee you that uh, God is going to bless you more than you would ever imagine. But uh, uh, whenever we look at it and we look at uh, kindness, it's something that is not very practiced well today. This is a city of brotherly love. Uh, yesterday, did you know that yesterday was a World Kindness Day? We started in 1998. It was that for one day, everybody in the world is supposed to be kind to one another. It'd be great if they tried it the other 364 too. <laughs> but we're heading out, uh, called an Uber, and we're headed to, to Zion's football game. And a young man, Michael, uh, picked us up, and a very nice young man. And, and so we're, we're headed there, and we're just out Spring Garden. We cut over, and we're on Callow Hill Street. Or one lane. There's hardly any other traffic. Some guy pulls up behind us. Michael and I are just kind of talking, and, you know, he was a football coach. He's talking about his sons who were seven and nine playing football, and we're just talking there about, you know, from Kansas City, and, and just kind of conversation. The light turns green, and, you know, you need to sense here, when the light turns green, you need to start moving just a few seconds before it turns green, okay? That's, a, <laughs> that's the way it is. You've got to anticipate. Because all of a sudden, some guy behind us is just laying on his horn <laughs> to get moving, I'm thinking, there's five lanes here. If you're that big of a hurry, there's nobody else. There's the two cars. You've got all these lanes. You can make any choice you want. And I thought, wow, uh, he's really ready for World Kindness Day. Uh, and he's just having a, a great day there. But whenever we look at this word, what it means, we're created in the image of God. And therefore, we're supposed to look like him. And in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, uh, the word is hesed. It's actually spelt in ours as we translate C-H-E-S-E-D, but it's pronounced hesed. And what it means is loving kindness. And you'll find it listed hundreds of times through the Old Testament law, and then you'll especially see it through the uh, Psalms in there where the psalmist will write about God's loving kindness towards us, his mercy that's extended to us. It's new every morning. And so uh, in that the Hebrew word there 
It means to treat somebody courteously and appropriately with loving kindness, a combination, caring for them. Now, in the Greek, in the New Testament, uh, Paul there, whenever he uses the word here in this, it's krestates, and the idea of that word is that what it means is that we're going to be kind by uh, being useful, pleasant, and gracious. That's how that word can be translated. Useful, pleasant, and gracious. Therefore, I'd say, okay, people who aren't kind, <laughs> I'm not sure how useful they are. <laughs> they obviously aren't pleasant, and they aren't extending any grace towards anybody else. Really, we're uh, doing a series here, as Elijah was telling me all about it. He says, Pops, why don't you kick it off? with selfie, that we look at ourselves to how we reflect in God's glory, how we look like God. He's the one that created us in his image. How do we look like that? The problem is most of us, would, it wouldn't be selfie. It'd be selfish. We start to really talk about, okay, what's in it for me? What can be done for me? I mean, you know, I don't know where that person was going at 730 in the morning that they were in that great of a hurry with really no other traffic out, but it was like, man, you've got to get moving. Horn. What was, what was so important? And, uh, you know, I kind of laughed in, uh, there, and I says, wow, he's in a hurry. And Michael says, welcome to the city of brotherly love, brother. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it is. It's just it's funny. But you put these together, and whenever the Bible describes kindness, this is what it says. It's caring about others enough that we treat them with gentleness, graciousness, and generosity. Think about those three Gs. Gentleness, graciousness, and generosity. Kindness is an attitude that manifests itself in actions and deeds. I want to give to you three things quick this morning about what kindness is and look at scriptures. First of all, kindness is our calling. That's what we're called to. That's what God called us to. In Matthew 5, verse 43, and that's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaking there, he says, starting verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, I remember, that's what they said, Jewish people, how they felt towards the others, uh, the Romans who had overrun their uh, country at that time, towards the Samaritans to the north of them. Uh, and so they could, they could say that. They was like, okay, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, sometimes we would say, well, we can't be perfect. We need to understand this word. It's an attitude that says, I'm going to do all I can to pour into others. It's not about what can be done for me. What can be done for others? And, you know, probably what's going to happen here as I'm in this message is what the Lord does in my life and the Holy Spirit does whenever I'm preparing a message. See, you may hear today and it may bring you back to a situation and say, wow, I didn't handle that very well. I didn't treat that person very well. Well, you know what? You only have to feel really guilty for about 20 more minutes in here. <laughs> when you're preparing a message, you feel guilty all week long because suddenly every situation, <laughs> the Lord's like, okay, how are you doing with that, Phil? <laughs> How's your attitude? <laughs> how are you thinking about that? I mean, it really is. 
And so uh, it's really important that we look at that and to try to be, if we're created in his image, just, just like God, to be like him. Kindness means to be good, useful, and helpful, considerate and gracious in every situation, regardless of the circumstance or the person. That's a whole lot easier to say than it is to go out and live 24-7. Anybody else ever have people that uh, God puts in your path that just frustrate you? <laughs> I seem to hit those people all the time. I'm like, you know, <laughs> Lord, you need to change them. <laughs> and usually then the Lord says, no, I'm trying to change you, Phil. See, so whenever we look at that, we can't say, well, I'm not like God. I can't be perfect, be holy. So we feel like, okay, then I'll just try to be a little bit better than Leticia. Or maybe if I do a little better than Mike this week, I've had a good week. And see, we judge other people. We, we say, if I'm just a little bit better than that person, then we're okay. But that's not what we're held in light of. We're held in light of God. And see, that's where he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins so that we could be pronounced perfect and could be made perfect, not because of what we've done, None of us are sitting in this room that deserve it. It's not because of how we have acted. It's because of what God has done in our lives. It's difficult calling, but kindness is what we're called to. Let me give you a few words here, and uh, you can jot them down, or if you've got a note section, you want to have them there or something, just to think about, or, or, you know, it may just be that someone will just stick with you, and that's what I always pray. You know, the Holy Spirit will. He'll bring this back to you at another time. But really, some of the deeper implications of what this word means, kindness here. One is acknowledgement. It means that we care for the feelings of others. We treat each person as important. We care about what they might be going through. We feel for them. So it's acknowledging, first of all, about everybody else. Again, selfies are about me. I am amazed, you know, at this idea of, of that we want to turn the camera around and we want to capture who we are in life. And whenever I heard Ashley saying that, I've never thought about, uh, I mean, I really, I just don't do selfies. I, I, you know, I'm probably not that excited about myself. I'm thankful God created me. I'm thankful God loves me. Uh, I've always joked that, uh, you know, I've got a face that was made for radio, uh, not for TV. So I, I'm not uh, enthralled with myself. Uh, but, you know, the, to look at ourselves in light of Christ and then to also say, wait a minute, if God loves me, that means he created every one of you in his image also. See, and that image isn't by what we look on the outside. That image is what he created inside of us, a heart, a soul that creates. You know, it, it's amazing. Only man has that ability. The creativity that we have of what God has created us with, it's absolutely amazing. Kindness also has to be active. Kindness shows caring, and it gets right in the situation with somebody, okay? So it can't be saying, oh, you know what? Boy, that person looks like they're having a tough time. I think I'll just pray for them. Yeah. You know, so many times we'll say, I'm going to pray for somebody, and you know what the Lord's thinking? I don't need somebody to pray for them. Somebody else has maybe already prayed for them. I need somebody to take action. <laughs> I need somebody to do something right at this moment. Another word to write down is awareness. Kindness suffers with those who suffer. It struggles with those who struggle. It works with those who work. 
You know, the Bible so often talks about that, of carrying the load. Why do we need somebody else? Why do we need friendship? We need relationship. You know, how much easier is it to carry a load when you've got two people? I mean, think about that. For almost anything you do. I mean, you know, sometimes we'll work or we try to invent things where we can do it all by ourselves. But whenever we carry a load, and that's not just physically, but that's emotionally, spiritually, to have somebody else, somebody else in a relationship. You know, I heard uh, some of the ladies talking both last night and they got here and this morning about the women's retreat, about what it was to be there with 2,000 other women and just the excitement of that. And to know they're going through the same things you're going through, caring about you realize we all sit here today in church the same way. We've all come in with different things that have happened in our week, different hurts. And are we aware of what anybody else is going through? Or are we absorbed with the fact of, oh, man, what I'm feeling? Nobody else has had a week like mine. You know, our favorite character seems to be in that the Winnie the Pooh with Eeyore the donkey. <laughs> walk around, oh, man, woe is me. I've had such a rough time. But awareness is looking at others and saying, wait a minute, I wonder what they've gone through. Again, this selfie series is not about us. I mean, okay, God died for us, so everything's about us. But it's about what we can do for somebody else. It's looking at ourselves in light of Christ, of who he is. And I heard the term used earlier, uh, what motivates us? I think Ashley said it when she's up here. That as we look at that in light of Christ, how does that motivate us? See, kindness, it comes from that uh, same word that we actually get the word kindred, our kin from. You know that? What is our kin, our family? Okay? It means we treat others the way we would treat our family. Now, sometimes that's a little scary because sometimes people don't treat their family very well. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have issues like that. But what it really means is people we naturally are going to care about as I've told you, I think, in times here, I come from a large family. I have uh, 14 brothers and sisters. I have 11 sisters and three brothers. And we sometimes would fight. It was just incredible how we would go after each other. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny looking back now. I, I tell people I learned everything I needed to know about life growing up in a large family like that. I mean, I learned politics at an early age. You know, we were always trying to swing that eight to seven vote, you know, to get enough people on your side for whatever you wanted to do, different things. And, uh, you know, and sometimes we would pick on one. You know, we'd try to, we'd pick out one and we'd decide, we're going to convince them that they were adopted. They don't really belong in our family. I mean, <laughs> that wasn't kindness, that's for sure. But, I mean, it was just, it was crazy growing up in a, in a family like that. But at the same time, we could go after each other. But if anybody else stepped in to go after us, I mean, you were going to fight all 15, I mean, that's what, that's what Ken is, the fact of being there, of caring for one another. The uh, word that's also used here is compassionate. That means to show mercy, understanding. Compassion is the first step towards being kind. You know, I'm glad that whenever Jesus came, he looked at us with compassion. And he saw us for who we were, how we were. Another word is forgiving. This means to be gracious towards others and not hold grudges. Not to seek vengeance for wrongs. Now, that's hard because I was always raised with that idea that, you know, if you hurt me, shame on you. Now, if I go back and let you hurt me a second time, shame on me for being stupid. 
and trusting you again. I mean, I, we were just raised that way. But forgiving says, it doesn't matter what Gene might do to me or what he might say. I'm going to still forgive. He hadn't said anything today to offend me. Don't anybody get thinking over there or anything. I'm still called to forgive. That's what our calling is. But kindness is more than a calling. It's a commitment. I want to read to you a little bit of a long story here from Luke chapter 8, verse 40, if you have it. And it's a story of, uh, well, we see two things in here. The synagogue ruler who, who came to Jesus because wanted his daughter to be healed. So I can understand that, as I told you. I remember praying over Ashley and just praying that God would heal and restore. And as I say, uh, they told us uh, she couldn't live. And then after it looked like she might be able to live, they said, well, with all the surgeries done and everything, she'll never be able to have kids. Carry them. And, uh, you know, there's two little crazy kids running around here all the time, full of energy. <laughs> that always remind us that, uh, hey, doctors can say one thing, but it's God who's in control and different things. But I want to read to you this story in Luke eight forty. It says, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus uh, told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Now, do you really believe that the woman who was healed by touching the cloak of his garment or this man, Jairus, who was in charge, the synagogue leader, that either one of them didn't tell anybody? I mean, when God does something in your life, you just got to go tell somebody else. I mean, we live in a world of social media. We got to tell everybody everything. I mean, I, I'm amazed sometimes at what I, I look on Facebook and I see what people put out there. I'm like, wow. Uh, I, used to, I like that old song, Tell It to Jesus. <laughs> and I had in there because he's the only one who can keep a secret. I mean, I, I'm amazed at what people share out there with, with everybody publicly. But I'm sure they had to go uh, tell everyone. But it's interesting the differences between these people here. See, Kindness is a commitment. Jesus came to show the love of the Father in the flesh. They had already had the Word of God. They had already had prophets. God had poured out his blessing on the Jewish people. 
Even in all the miracles they've seen, I heard Ashley saying that about when they crossed the Red Sea and he rolled back the sea and they crossed on dry lands and then he destroys the Egyptian army that nobody could have defeated. And you would think knowing that, they would always remember God's goodness. But how quickly they would forget it whenever times got a little tough. Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. At least we had plenty to eat there. And they forgot how bad it was in slavery and, and all that had gone on. And sometimes it's so easy for us to get caught up in the, in the cares of life, we forget what God has done for us. And it's interesting. I look at these two people, and they couldn't be more opposite. First of all, in biblical times, one was a man and one was a woman. And there's a great difference between that. You remember what they said about in praying? I'm thankful every day that God created me a Jew, a man, and free. Because to be in any other category but those wasn't a great category. And so it's the opposite of a man and a woman. It's rich and poor. It's one who has social standing that everybody respects because he's a synagogue leader. And the woman who was the outcast because of her issue with the bleeding, could not even be around people. Think about that. Could not be around people. And suddenly, in a moment, she's healed. A man who's crying out for his 12-year-old daughter, who's been leading everybody else, and who has no hope, and they've come and told he's dead. And Jesus said she's not dead. And don't you know that he probably wanted to believe Jesus? But if that would have been us, would have we been able to believe either? We'd have been hoping against hope, but I don't know. You know, and kind of like whenever that one time they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they come back down to the, the bottom and uh, there, and the disciples have been praying for this boy and they, they couldn't, anything. and Jesus says to the Father, says, only believe. He says, I do believe, but please help my unbelief. Because a lot of times we have unbelief. We, we've known God's done things for other people. We believe his word, but it's like, I don't know if he'd really do it for me. See, kindness is a commitment that God gave towards us that he's always going to be kind no matter what. See, he treated both of them. And the impact of our kindness is that it changes lives. The power of kindness changes lives. See, we may not know it, but think about it. This woman... Suddenly, she could go back to her family. She could, wow, I mean, think about this. She could go back to church for the first time. There was no way she could be in the presence of other people. She was unclean. Until she could be clean, she couldn't ever go to the synagogue, to the temple. It just didn't happen. There was no hope. I mean, you talk about a total outcast. That's where she was. But the impact of that kindness, of his kindness, who cared for her that day, even though all she did was reach out and just believe. It says, a quote here I like from Cal Thomas says, love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. Amen. I mean, think about that. Love talked about is easily ignored. Because sometimes people will talk about, you know, God loves you. Or God cares about you. Or we talk about God's loving kindness. But you know what? Just the same as God's people need to experience God's love with flesh on. See, because that's what it says. Why did God send his son? It says so that the people could know the full extent of God's love. 
flesh on, and to die on a cross for our sins. And the reason the Holy Spirit indwells us whenever we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, the reason it does is that the people we meet will be able to experience God's love with flesh on. It's our flesh now. Sometimes we think, can you do that? Yeah, he does, through each one of us. Sometimes Satan would love to beat us up and say, oh, he really couldn't do it through you. Phyllis, you know, maybe somebody else, but not you, he would say. And, you know, we buy into that lie. But, you know, whenever we realize we are both created in God's image and he has forgiven us and he has restored us and he's given us hope and peace and love in our lives, we get a chance to go out and do that for other people. And when we do it, God adds his blessing to it. See, Jesus paid attention to their needs, even whenever the woman just touched the cloak. you imagine that? I mean, sometimes we see crowds. I know we've kind of got to where we don't like crowds anymore because of everything going on with the coronavirus. But they're starting to come back, whether it's a football game, whether it's a, a concert or whatever. The crowds are, are kind of coming back. Can you imagine everybody wanted to be around Jesus because they'd all heard of the miracles he'd done? This is a stage where he's already done different miracles for people. And if you have a need, you want to get as close to Jesus as you could. And people are pressing in there. And so it wasn't like, okay, you know, uh, just one person reached out. Uh, you know, it's talking about, you know, everybody would have been trying to get their hands on him. But what he felt was there was power left my body. Somebody touched me in faith and belief, and they were changed. He affirmed the importance of the ruler of the synagogue and the woman who was the outcast. And he accepted them and embraced their need. So we look at that and we say, that's what we're called to do to be like Christ, is that's the kind of kindness that we do. So kindness is our calling. It's a commitment, as example by what Christ did. But it's also our confirmation of who we really are in Christ. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus, again, kind of speaking here about this, about loving your enemies. He says, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. See, he's grateful to the unkind, the ungrateful, the wicked. You know who he's talking about there? That's us. Before we accepted Christ as our Savior, And before we received his mercy, we were those people. That's just an honest truth of who we are. But I'm changed because of what he's done and because of what he says. Now, I understand theologically what it means to be saved. It means when you ask Christ into your life to be the Lord of your life, that you're changed in just a moment positionally. That he pronounces, Lachisha, you are my child, daughter. Whatever that day is. See, I still remember that day in my life. It was February 11th, 1972. It was one of those cases that uh, I, I was actively involved in my church. I was involved in a youth group. I was uh, 15, uh, really leading a lot of my youth group at that time. And yet I still remember sitting there in service, and as uh, the minister who was preaching that night was uh, gave the altar call, I remember thinking, you know, I check off all the lists. I do all the things right because I've been raised in church. I mean, we went to church every Sunday. Whenever you grow up on a farm and you've got 15 kids in your family and you've got one car, everybody would go to church 
and we went to church together. I mean, I know it was like a clown car. People would come out just to watch us get out because we'd have like four people sitting on the bottom and back there. Everybody sitting in the front. Dad was the only one who didn't have anybody sitting on his lap. And, uh, you know, they say that, uh, you know, you can get 120 people in an Accord because a uh, Honda Accord because they say, uh, joke about that uh, being that's what the Bible says on the day of Pentecost. They had 121 Accord. I want you to know that you can get 17 in a Chevy Impala. And, and we would. And, and you, you know, it, it's, it's what you think about, but we were there every week. They used to, they gave pens out if you attended every Sunday for 52 Sundays. They say the average now of people who go to church is something like one and a half times a month. I mean, we went every week because, again, they do. And, and, you know, if we were sick, Dad would always say, hey, go to church. There's probably no better place to get healed. I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, if you're sick, uh, go there. And so we went every week. We had all those pens. I'd done everything right. We signed off on a card of the things we wouldn't do. And we wouldn't make mistakes. We wouldn't compromise in any way. All those things. But you know what the truth was on that? It was a revival. It was a Saturday night. And I still remember feeling like, wow, I need a Savior. I need somebody that will forgive me of my sin. I need that. Because I'd done everything right on my own, but I realized that night I can't get into heaven because I'm trying to do everything right. I get in there because of Christ. And I still remember, you want to know what a struggle is? Whenever you're sitting by your youth group and uh, you're kind of supposed to be the leader of the youth group and the Lord's telling you, you need to go to the altar and Satan's saying in one ear, you can't go to the altar. What's everybody going to think? Hey, man, anybody else ever struggle with that? Do you want to do for the Lord and back and forth? Yeah, probably most of us at times. Man, I still remember, though, going down there and the change that happened. And it was confirmation in what the Lord had done in my life. That night, I still go back to that. I know that night that I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I wish I could tell you that, uh, what, that's been, boy, uh, pretty soon, and we're going to get on to 50 years. That'll be <laughs> coming up next year. I was just thinking about that. Wow. I wish I could tell you in those 50 years, I've lived it out perfectly, but I haven't. I failed many times, but I'm glad that I have a Savior who forgives me and who restores me. And you know what? It's the story of the prodigal son. When I've blown it and I come back looking for grace, it's not like he stands off and he says, okay, Phil, if you do it right this time, we're going to give you a three-month probation. I don't know if I could make three months. I'm thankful that I have a Heavenly Father that sees me coming and runs towards me. It says, I forgive you. And therefore, that kind of mercy and kindness says, that's what I have to do when somebody else has treated me wrong. I have to be merciful the way he's merciful. Because first of all, it's confirmation that Christ is really in my life. It's confirmation I see. Because that's not naturally me. I am not naturally kind. I've worked towards that and to become more like that. Because you know what? I think all of us are naturally selfish. I mean, little kids, watch them with their toys. They're naturally selfish. That's mine. It's just the truth. We have it, all of us. It's confirmation that Christ is the work of my life and he's changing it. It's confirmation that the behavior of Christ, that I'm starting to become like that. And I'm merciful and I forgive, not because I want to, but it's because I want my Father's forgiveness. See, if I don't forgive... 
then what happens to whenever I want to come back to him? Because the same way that I will treat others is the way I'm going to be judged. And that challenges me. I want to be kind. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14 15. It says, We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. See, what does kindness do? Kindness will last when other things will fail. Kindness will go the second mile. See, we're all expected to do certain things right. But as Jesus said, when they compel you to go one mile, you go the second mile with them. You don't have to do it. See, for a Roman soldier, if they came to your house and wanted to spend the night, you had to let them stay one night. If they wanted you to carry their backpack, you had to carry it one mile. You didn't have to carry it any farther. They couldn't ask you again. But he said, in a practical thing, he says, when somebody asks you that, for the one mile, you're going to go the second mile. Kindness is intentional. It goes out of our way to let others know that it really cares. So let's be practical today. How does kindness get expressed? What happens? I mean, think about it. Start firing at me. How, how do you show kindness? What's it look like? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually expected at least. Winner? Yeah, winner. You know, it's in hundreds of little ways. I said, kindness probably won't benefit you, but it'll cost you something. Your time, your convenience, labor. It may cost you your money. It's going to cost you something. But you know what? God's kindness cost him something. His only son. who died on a cross for us. So, when he said that rhetorical, I mean, I think, okay, visiting somebody who's maybe a shut-in or sending a text to somebody who's not here today just to let them know, hey, they were missed. You noticed that they weren't here. So there's nothing worse than if you can go two or three weeks and not show up to church and nobody calls or nobody says, instantly what Satan says is, oh, Nancy, nobody cares about you. What do you need to go back? They don't really miss you. See, that's what he'll do because if he can get you off by yourself, he can discourage you and defeat you. That's why we come together, uh, you know, in community is because we need one another. It's calling somebody who's discouraged. Doing favors for somebody. Running an errand. You have a car and somebody else doesn't? They need a ride? Do that. It's bearing one another's burdens. Just encouraging somebody who's depressed or downhearted. Send a note. You know, when somebody sends you a card, what do you do? Huh? Send a thank you card. But sometimes somebody sends me a card. You know, when I open it up, I don't really care what Hallmark put in the card, what they wrote. Rosemary sends me a card. The first thing I'm going to look for is, did she write something there? Because I want to hear her words about Hey, Phil, I appreciate you or something. We all do. You know, it's giving to somebody of ourselves sacrificially. It's befriending the friendless. See, I love whenever I go to conferences like the ladies just went to, and I, I don't go to a ladies' conference, but whenever I'll be at something else, 
there. I, I look around, and I always challenge my audience this. We try to find somebody who maybe nobody else seemed to be talking to, and we'd invite them to go to lunch with us and just buy their lunch because I thought, they just need a friend. Now, would it be easier to go hang out with all the popular people? And, you know, at that time, we pastored a church that was uh, people referred to as the flagship church kind of of the assemblies there in Kansas. I mean, it was a great, strong church and uh, just, you know, it was great and strong before I got there and, and God continued to bless it. But, you know, if you care for those who are just like you, he says, what, what is that? that? Even the pagans do that, the tax collectors. The people you would say, they, they always take care of one another. But do you ever look around and say, you know, that person looks a little discouraged today. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to go spend time with them. See, you start thinking about it. What would you add to that list? What would you say? What can you do? Think about it. Looking around in your life, who can you show kindness to? Who needs to be built up today? Might be somebody you work with. Someone else you live with might be somebody you go to school with. Boy, might be another mom, another dad. Uh, just every area of our lives, where was that? That's what kindness is. Three key lessons out of the day I'll just stick with is, first of all, kindness makes you more like Christ. The more kind you are, the more you look like Christ. Kindness not only makes you more like Christ, kindness reveals the love of Christ in your life. We have a world that's not kind. And last, kindness confirms your faith in Christ. It confirms, you know what? My faith has got actions. My faith has feet to it. It goes and does something. I don't know how many of you know of Maya Angelou. Uh, She was a a great uh, poet here. Uh, First uh, time she really kind of came to fame was especially during the... uh, uh, after Clinton had become president, and she shared there. and uh, Then as she shared more and more things. But one quote she's always had that has always stuck with me is that uh, people will forget what you say. And people will even forget a lot of times what you did for them. But people will never forget how you made them feel. That's the truth. See, because that feeling will stay with us forever. That's what I was sharing with you. I still remember that night, now almost 50 years ago, February 11th, 1972, when I asked Christ my life. I don't remember what the preacher preached about. I don't remember really anything else from that night, except I remember that day when I made a decision and I went down to that altar. I still remember that feeling of knowing that God really loved me and he had died for me. I still remember that feeling. Therefore, whenever you go out and you show the love of Christ, his kindness to somebody else, they will remember that feeling. That's what the Holy Spirit does in and through our lives. They'll remember that feeling. So I want to pray for you in just a moment. And so I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads. And uh, I want to ask you one, because I don't, I don't know everybody here. I don't know we are out of different things. But whenever we're talking here about selfie, about becoming more like Christ, the first step is that of asking Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you haven't asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, haven't asked him to forgive you of your sin, 
and you want to do that today, all I'm going to ask you to do is just raise a hand because I want to pray for you now, and I want to pray for you in the weeks ahead because that's what the Lord will do. He'll bring your face to my mind and just say, hey, pray for that person. If that's you, just put a hand up, put it right back down. Right? I just want to, want to pray with you. Okay? No hands were lifted. I hope that means that every person here knows Christ as their Savior. Therefore, the next step is now we go out and live it. Now we've got to share it. See, it'll happen. We're going to go to brunch in a little bit and as we interact with one another. It'll build up. It'll happen as we go out and do other things today. It'll happen tomorrow as we go to work or wherever we go. He'll give us that chance to show loving kindness, mercy, encouragement to everyone. Let me pray. Father, would you bless each one that's gathered here. Lord, I thank you for your kindness that's been given into my life and what you've done for me. Lord, I thank you for your mercy that was given when there was no reason that I ever deserved it. Lord, I thank you. I was reflecting. Now it's been almost 50 years, and looking back through all that, I have not always been faithful, but you've always been faithful. When I failed and hid because of my failing my sin, you've always reached back out to me. You've always loved me. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. What I ask now, Lord, is that you would continue to help me to become more like you, to be kind. Lord, that the selfie reflection would be that others would see you in my lives. They wouldn't see me, but they would see you at work in my life, see you at work in our lives, each one of us. Lord, the changed church would be known for their kindness, for their love for others, that they'd bring about that transformation that I hear them talk about in each and every life. Lord, uh, we don't know how many you have for us to share with. That's not our responsibility. Our only responsibility is to love the one that you've put in our path right now. So, Lord, help us with that. Help us to be like you. Bless each one. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.